Hello, my name is Benjamin Gillies. Are we doing last names? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, (laughs) I'm Ben Gillies. Who are you? Uh, My name is Chris Joinu. Yeah, we're here to talk to Tim about some cool shit. As authors. (laughs) As authors, co-authors. Love and pain. Yeah, get your coffee. Yeah, welcome to the next episode of Introducing. Never have I been more excited for the release of a book. Yes. Look, I like reading. I think a friend of mine told me once, though, that men don't read fiction. And I kind of agree with him. I I like to learn something. I generally like rock and roll books. And that's why this one is right up my alley. It's also been written by two mates, which is even nicer. Ben Gillies and Chris Giuano, um, two parts of three-piece band Silverchair. Heard of them? Um, they've also been in the news heaps lately, so much. Um, their Australian story premiered on the ABC. It's, it's a, I loved it. It was a really nice insight into, especially the boys' relationship, what went down, the hardships, um, the health issues. There was drinking. There was drugs. There was no sex. So I can't say sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but there were certainly um, drugs and rock and roll. And, and they put it all into a, a lovely book with pictures, may I add, which is out now. Love and Pain, um, from a Newcastle garage to worldwide recognition. This is the story of two mates and the original garage band, really. And, and also what I worked out after chatting to the guys was they are the age now that their parents were when they set off on a world tour. So it, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. I mean, Frog Stomp in 1995 was as big as it gets. Then Freak Show, then Neon Ballroom, then Diorama. And then, as you'll, as you'll hear in the chat, their favourite album, Young Modern, in 2007. And all the stories in between. Um, read the book, listen to the chat. Obviously, uh, Daniel Johns has made some comments just about uh, Australian story since I, I caught up with the boys. So there's no real mention of that. We kind of talk about the music and we talk about the book. So I'd love you to sit back and enjoy uh, this chat because I enjoyed having it. Uh, in our new HQ, may I add, Chris Joanu, Ben Gillies, Love and Pain, a memoir. They're serious cameras. Yeah, what do you think? Welcome, yeah. by the way, boys. Hey. Yeah, you're, you're, you're you. my first chat in the new digs. Maiden voyage. Yeah, yeah it's lovely. Because I've been chatting to Chris a bit, and, and I'm like, I, there's part of me that you must think that this is just like some back out operation with little, catching up with a mate. Little and you side hustle he's got going on. Then <laughs> <laughs> you had a little look around, and you're like, oh, it's, just it's like, actually the real deal. Legit. Wait till, wait till people hear about this. <laughs> um, well, congratulations on, on the book, guys. Love and pain. And, um, well, how does it feel? Well, originally Ben rang me and told me he was going to do a book and would I like to be involved? And I originally declined um, and then upon a couple of days of reflection was like, nah, you know what? That'd be a really cool thing to be a part of and to just take the time to park all those memories and times, the good, the bad and the ugly ones all in one place. Um, Because I guess there's always felt like there's been a bit of unresolvedness around the tail end of the band. So just an opportunity to, I guess, you know, work through that and, yeah, just put it all in one place and... 
Yeah. What were you going to do, Ben, if, if it was just going to be you? Like, was it, was it would it have been a completely different experience, you think? Or was it so much better? Heaps less was... funny. <laughs> <laughs> would it, be, it wouldn't have been in comics hands. <laughs> Look, the, the int- <laughs> Look, the intent was always the same. Like, was to um, just tell a really great story that I think there's a lot of stuff that has kind of been untold about the band and um, I, and my my driving force was my kids. I guess once those once the boys were born, my twins, um, I wanted them to read my story from my perspective. Um, and I thought, you know, putting it putting it in a book was a, a nice way to do it, so they can, you know, they don't go online and Google and then kind of form some opinion about, yeah, you know, from whatever they read from news articles. So you yeah, know, the first thing that the first clickbait that comes up, that's yeah, <laughs> you know, and then they start putting piecing something together. So I, I was really motivated to. Yeah, for the, for those boys to have something to read when they're older. But it was I, and the intention was always like it's a celebration of the band. It's it's telling great stories. It's uh yeah, and you know, obviously being really brutally honest along the way like and there's a lot of, you know, I always wanted to be very open about um some of the like there's some mental health stuff for me and 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 substance kind of struggles. Um having that in there too because I think that was an important part of the story um, because, I've, you know, I was experiencing that and there's some, uh, some health stuff with Chris too but I was experiencing that during the life of the band but no one knew. Like there's some stuff that I think Chris... Yeah, I had lo- no idea. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and you live in each other's pocket for yeah. days, weeks, months, years on end Yeah, um, and to think that, yeah, that was going on in the background um, and we were, I guess, none the wiser... Because well, you're kind of like, from what I gathered, even just because I'm obviously always, I'm, I'm a huge fan as well. You guys would just be would have been a part of a machine, just rolling, rolling, rolling. There's been a lot of moments, I guess, in you know, looking back on lots of things that we did and experienced, um, and um, yeah. Oddly, there's a newfound appreciate, a newfound understanding as well with a, with a lot of parts of it. You're right at the start about being on the outskirts of the spotlight. I love that. Well, I think it's I think it's true for all bands uh, and artists. Like the, the the front man of a band is is the one that people focus on and and generally the most recognisable because they're often they're just out there, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think Chris and I, because Silverchair did become so big, you know, we were on a lot of magazine covers, and there was a lot of videos, and so there's, there's definitely a level of fame and recognition just of our faces that came with that. But you know, no, I don't think nothing like Daniel experienced. But um, I think it's more an analogy of our perspective, I guess, on where we sat in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, Daniel definitely <clears throat> wore the brunt of probably the uh, more intense moments mm. in that essence. Um, but yeah, it's probably a, a good analogy or description of sort of where we're looking from, I guess. Yeah, yeah we all had we all had a similar experience, and it, I guess it was from our perspectives, it was just. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. You're all in the same boat, but you're all having a different experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's that it's that classic analogy, the elephant, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we we lent into that into the book where um, there's an old parable or something 
where the there's three blind men and they have, they all they come across an elephant and they all have they all take they all hold onto one part of the elephant and they have to describe what it is and they all you know one's got a leg one's got a trunk one's got an ear and they're all having a, a similar experience but they describe it very differently yeah and I think that was it's very true for for our so which has the el- elephant I'm assuming through this yeah yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> for people who like because this this podcast is called introducing like like to, I mean I know you've told this story a hundred times and it's obviously in the book but talk talk to me about how you met and when you both looked at each other and decided that this was something that you were going to do like what what, because I mean it was a lot of it was in your your garage Ben yes um how did it start though what 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 was the connection before the garage moment well well Daniel and I because you're like the original garage band (laughs) yeah we were were the original garage band um Daniel and I Um, Dan and I had been kind of dabbling in music, um, like almost from when we first met. Because how old were you when you met? Uh, I think we were about like eight. Right, okay. Um, and we kind of, Daniel had written a couple of little rap songs and we became a rap duo. Then we wrote some other rap songs together and we we played a lot of charity days. And um, and then over time we both like picked up instruments. I think I started playing the drums first and then Dan eventually started playing the guitar. And it just, it just felt like a very natural progression that we were just, we were drawn together through music. I mean, we were, we were just drawn together naturally because we just, we just liked being in each other's you know, presence and company yeah. and, um, yeah, just music seemed to be a core part of our friendship and it just grew from there. And then, um, and what was big in Newcastle then? Like what were you listening to? What was on the radio? Chisel. Oh, I, remember, yeah. I remember cold chisel being, you know, around, it wasn't, I, I don't like, and baby animals. Um, there's another band. What were they called? Oh, I can't, can't remember, but it wasn't until I discovered Led Zeppelin. Yeah. That's when it really kind of took off for me. Like I liked those artists when I was young, but yeah, Zeppelin was the one that it really, you know, that mm. formed my musical foundation. But yeah, like, I mean, I guess as a band, we formed and Chris joined the band when we were about 12. And that's, I guess that's when we really felt like we're a, we're a band now. Wow. 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we were all uh, in and around each other through prime, because we were at the same primary school, yeah. um, in same high school. Was it Dan that repeated? Is that how you all ended up in the same Yeah, class? he was a bit young for his age. Right. Yeah, okay. for his year, I should say. Yeah. Just his age, yeah. Just uh, wherever he, whatever, wherever he was born, it just meant he was young for his year. Yeah. And it was pretty, I think it was pretty commonplace back then for, and probably still is. Well, having boys and girls, I, I definitely recommend putting your boys in as late as possible. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're pretty stupid. <laughs> in, the, in the cutest way. In the, cute, in the cutest way. <laughs> a lot of your original success was while you were at school. So how, how did you navigate that? What, what was that like? Do you think it was a, a pro being from a smaller town in terms of the fact that I hate to say keeping you grounded and, and you know, and all that stuff, but or did you think it was a negative well, being from a smaller town? Look, I think um, our mates at school definitely kept us extremely grounded, but it was also you'd go from these extremes of touring and you know playing gigs, you know, multiple nights a week and traveling the world, and then <clears throat> fly back in Friday, weekend at home, Monday back at school. So it was ex- like the, the world's apart, but 
especially at that age, your mates and your friendships are pretty. Your mate circle is pretty important and a, yeah. and a big part of growing up through those early teens as yeah. well. Um, and a lot of those friendships were were kind of they were friends before the band took mm, off. Yeah, know? that's right. So yeah. I think that's why. They were really important to help kind of navigate. They didn't even realise they were doing it, but they just treated us exactly the same. We weren't the guys in a silver chair. We yeah. were just their mates. Yeah. yeah, and I think our parents really wanted that as well. They I was were say very, that. like, very conscious of making sure that we um, participated in life in a very normal fashion. And it well, wasn't... any of your parents are hesitant, like you know, like when you were just saying before Chris about travelling the world. Was there one one of your parents that went? I don't think this is a, a good idea for <laughs> such a young lad. I don't recall any no. resistance. No. No, I think they were they were generally really supportive from the from the onset. I, I mean, I imagine they because we were chatting about this before that um, where that where the our pet where the age now that our parents were when we took off. Yeah, right. So, so the imagine, thought, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so the thought of like having Yikes. a fourteen year old child and yeah. sending them off on tour, like, it's just it's pretty hard to. You know, Did anyone accompany you? Not like that, son. Like this, so you don't do it like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I was your, if I was your dad, like if my fourteen-year-old was doing that, I want to go. I want to come. Uh, well, yeah. Well, no. Well, they did. They, yeah, they, they came. Did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they good. did for a long. They did for a long time. Um, until well, until we're eighteen, then we're like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> was it? I remember a story. Um, I can't remember if it was in the book or not, but like when you were playing a big day out, and, you know, people like. Courtney Love and stuff, you know, hanging around, you know, young 13, 14 year old kids. Like, was it all surreal or did it all just feel like, well, this is this because I mean, you had nothing else to compare it to, I guess? Yeah. I think you say it really well, Ben, in the sense that it was just our reality. So we kind of, we just took a lot of it as like, this is just. It was our normal. Normal. Yeah. So when you, I guess for anything, right? When you're, when you're in it, when you're living it, like, yeah. you don't know any different. Yeah. So for us, it, it, it it felt really natural, felt really normal. Um, so, like, you know, maybe if you had the if if you rewound like twelve or twenty four months before we were at some of those festivals with some of those big bands, you'd be you'd be like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but when you're when you're in it and when you're living it, you're kind of like, no, this is cool. They're just people, and they're just we're just all here playing music, and it's yeah, there's nothing kind of weird or surreal about it. Yeah. I do remember because I was at school in America in 1996, and 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 Frog Stomp was out in '95, and I just remember people, and it's quite funny. I'd love to go back and tell my friends now because they all asked, "Do, do you know Silverchair?" Yeah, right. <laughs> like, now I go, "Yeah, I do now." <laughs> but back then I'm like, "No, I wish," because <laughs> they all thought you know we're all hopping around on kangaroos together, and yeah, they're like yeah. seven. And everyone of us. knows each other. <laughs> what was it like to to have success in America? Because that is such a foreign place and you you know you were doing tonight shows and you were yeah it was a pretty wild ride in uh, like looking back on it like you said i think when it was all happening it was all happening pretty quick mm. and it was um um yeah it didn't seem out of the ordinary how did the album how did the frog stomp come together like it was it a was it a collection of songs over a few years where you thought we better put an album together or was it a concerted effort to sit down and, and, and write an album no considering how yeah, young well, you most were. of those songs were kicking around already yeah we had most of the songs already yeah and i remember going into um going to pre-production and this is in the book too with with kevin shirley and like with some kind of dusty old 
um, rehearsal space in Newcastle and we didn't even know what pre-production was. Mm. And we were like, cool, well, this guy's here and he's kind of giving us some feedback on our songs and we're trying some new things and changing it around and, like, little did we know, like, we were working on the record. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they, I guess I, I think that's why Frog Stomp kind of resonated with so many people is because it, it didn't have the influence of record companies or any external people having their opinion. It was just us making sound and noise that we absolutely loved and there was no expectation. Like we didn't know why we were writing them or there was it wasn't like, oh, you've got to deliver this record yeah. because you got a deal. We just had written these songs that we were we just love to play. So does that? So how does putting a second album together then come about? Because we're having that, I don't want to say it was easy, but having this thing that was so organic and that worked, yeah. was there a moment where you had to sit down and like almost like get the pen and paper and go, all right, now we've got to... <laughs> yeah, we've you're actually a, you're a little more aware now yeah, on yeah. how it all, where the pressure points are yeah. and and um, and also with Frog Stomp, I guess having uh, the success that it did bought a whole lot of... You know, can they del- can they do it again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, how well I guess all three of us dealt with those in different ways. Yeah. Um, those sorts of additional pressures, but um, I guess once the three of us were in a room making music, that, a lot of that sort of stuff fades away. Yeah. But yeah, it's still. I remember when Freak came out, though, having been such a fan of the first album. When Freak came out. I was a bit scared. It was a bit scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, what have they done? Yeah, no, no, but like, but like, I, I loved it. But I was like, I was scared of it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is this yeah, song? Yeah. Don't put this song on before bed. <laughs> but then I do. I this was a few years ago. I was actually because um, Dan played it with What So Not at the Splendor in the yeah, Grass. Yeah, I think he came out of a coffin or something, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And I just I happened to catch up with him very quickly after with a few people when he came up to me and goes. Was it just me or did no one know the words? I'm like, yeah, no, the crowd was a bit young. <laughs> but I certainly did. I yeah. certainly did. Uh, you know what? I think with all, with every single Silverchair record, as we like, if if you think about how young we started, yeah. and as musicians, we weren't accomplished musicians. We were still kind of discovering our our you know our instruments, you yeah. know, and 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 improving as musicians. So uh, you know, I think it was a natural progression for each album to get better and better because we just got more confident in in you know the writing and the process of the of the pre-production and putting the songs together and playing you know yeah but but every album seemed to be quite like hugely different don't don't you think like yeah it, there was a big departure each time wasn't there yeah, yeah. The neon ballroom came along and it was very orchestral and it was like pianos and but it all felt right you know like it was yeah, yeah. it wasn't as scary as freak <laughs> <laughs> but it felt right yeah you know, yeah, Dan's songwriting evolving mm. as well and just I guess we never really wanted to get stuck and pigeonholed in any sense of like, you know, this is who they are. So I guess and I guess there was um, probably enjoyment in pushing the boundary as well. And yeah. yeah. Probably some and, and some just some personal like growth as well. Like I think, yeah, you just don't want to get bored. Yeah. You know, I think if... Uh, I mean, it's all right if you're ACDC just sitting on, you know, just laying it down. Like, if that's what you're into, that's perfect. That's perfectly fine. But I guess for us, you know. Did they just sack their drummer? Is that, did I just read that? They, they just told their drummer that they. It's a slot. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I call them, I'll call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're about to go on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, I think we, we were all just always trying to, you know, just improve and kind of 
you, you, you're trying to look for that excitement. You mm. know? Was there a moment that it, it, it felt like work, though? Was there a moment where you were... I mean, because you were, I guess, well, you just mentioned before, Ben, you were together from eight. Mm. What age were you when you when you hit the scene? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been together a long time. Was there a moment that you got sick of it? I think the I think the creation part of it is re- has always been really joyful and exciting. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, there's there's definitely parts of touring and playing live that is also really exciting, but the Sometimes the grind of being on the road, you know, doing days and days and days of press, like all that kind of stuff can be a bit of a drag. But it's also, I, th- I don't think there's any job in the world that ha- doesn't no. have... Yeah, it's completely well-rounded. Yeah, yeah. And-, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and also you kind of need, if, if, if you want to continue being successful and like, you know, you, you, st- you need to kind of feed the beast a little bit, right? You need to, yeah, you got to, you got to work, you got to work at it. You can't just have all the all the good stuff. Yeah. you got to put in the hard work. And especially now, I, I mean, you, you were out of the room when Chris told me this, but you're getting a lot better at the press stuff now because apparently your, your answers in interviews were only all one word yeah. at the start. <laughs> well, it was like, you said yeah. you were listening to some of your an old oh, yeah. interview. I, I remember, I remember yeah, hearing. Nah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Nah. Well, some of those early interviews, are, you know, you're not, if you're just having a bad day when you're a teenager, like you kind of like, you know, you don't have, you, you <laughs> no. don't have much to give, you know, like, no. and like they're trying to, like, so I remember doing some interviews and they were really, <laughs> They're throwing me lobs, like, here you go, buddy. Like, kind of just give me something. Yeah. And he's like, nah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And, like, I've heard them back and, like, oh, dude, like, you've just got so much. I know, the rule is never listen back. I can't listen back even now. You just never listen back. You're, yeah. never, you're never happy with anything if you listen back. Yeah. Um, what, when speaking of listening back, though, what, is there an album um, of yours that you love going back to, or, is it, or does it change with your moods? Like, I'm pretty much asking what your favourite Silverchair album is. But yeah, for me, <laughs> in Basket. terms of probably... <laughs> What's your favourite Silverchair album? <laughs> in terms of, a, I guess, a, a moment for me, it's probably Young Modern. Yeah. I just feel, oh, wow, okay. yeah, where we were sort of not... Like, it, it, it appears to be a simpler, coming back to being something quite simpler, but I feel there was... There's a, it's, it's as close to being back to a three-piece compared to lots of other albums we'd done in between mm. Frog Stomp and yeah. and, and Young Modern. And, and I knowing just, your I wife really, like I do as well, Carissa plays Israel's son about every two and a half minutes. Most mornings. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just feel it really captured that essence of, I feel for me, a lot of things that were... Um, Especially in the beginning as well, and, yeah. and just it's and and the way we recorded that record too was very very emphasised on whole takes and full band takes and um, I don't know for me that that one just ha- yeah holds a special place. Yeah, I kind of kind of agree with Chris. I, I would say the top and tail. I think there was a magic um, around Frog Stomp that was really. It was just hard to capture on the other records, maybe because of those outside influences, maybe because we were more aware of, you know, what was at stake or whatever. But um, I definitely, I can relate to what Chris is saying about missing that unity. Yeah. Um, we were always unified. And I think the, the, the special thing about Silverchair was always that, that magical spark within the band. And sometimes, you know, that's, I felt like we were really chasing that and, 
Um, but Young Modern was definitely a moment where, um, yeah, it was it was nice to feel like there was a bit more unity back in the band. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, I like yeah, like just that moment of Frog Stomp. Like it was it was just such a magical time. You know, like p- particularly because we were we were young and. Um, you know, all this crazy stuff was happening, but we were just kind of taking it in our stride as well. And, um, but I don't know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such, that is such a hard well, question. Yeah, because it's like really incredible thing, moments too. Yeah. Like even working with David Helfgott and yeah, um, Van Dyke Parks and all, like, you know, there, there's some, yeah, some pretty incredible moments, you know, the, over time, yeah. All right, well, then to get controversial, is there an album that you just cannot stand or it brings back memories of a time that you just don't want to think about? Or or is that all gone now because you put it all down in a book? Yeah, look, it's for me, yeah, I think I can... I think now doing the book... Yeah. That, yes, you can just appreciate and look at things in, you know, I don't want to say hindsight, but um, you can appreciate all of it for what it was and is yeah um with sort of um even the even the ugly bits you know um yeah i don't really it's a nice place to sit sort of not i'm not bitter or jaded about it yeah it's just it's kind of like a peaceful feeling that you've put it out there now and your and your version of events is out there and not that you put it behind you but it kind of like does it feel more peaceful now that you've kind of put it together in such a or any kind of almost tied nice little bow on it. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like there's a lot of the stuff that has been untold that now we've been able to kind of let people in on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, look, for me, it still comes out to my my baby boys. Yeah, you know, like I, I just really wanted something for them to be able to read when they're old enough, and and you know, just as much as I, I I'm proud of them, I want them to be proud yeah. of me too. You know? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it does. It does. It does feel nice to wrap it up in a nice little bow and and tell our story because it's a it's a fucking pretty cool story. It's a very cool story. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope your kids do read it too. Make sure they do because I remember interviewing the Foo Fighters not that long ago, and Chris Shiflett from the Foo. He's just like he's got an eighteen year old son who's just about to go on like summer break. He's like, you know, come to Australia with us. You know, we're just doing a couple of shows. I'm like, nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I want to. I want to go on summer break. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, no, I'm going to schoolies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to come on tour with the Fooies or go to the Gold Coast and party? Is it because I, I don't want I don't want to like use this uh, to talk about my favorite parts of the book because I think it's really important for people to to read the book. But if if you're going to do a hard sell, I'm going to ask both of you to to answer. Like, what's your favorite little anecdote in the book that you, you you're very proud of? Because you, you also have have structured it beautifully where you you all very clear on who's writing what part. Oh, it's a, it's like a favorite album thing. Again. Yeah. Like, uh, I think I only um, have one uh, like like variety of questions. What's yes, your favorite? So, so, yeah, what's your, your favorite? favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Should we call favorites with Tim Blackwell? Favorites. That's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it's probably a little more on the emotional side of just sort of just result, like because it, it would appear and it did feel like for a long time that there was it was a little unresolved mm-hmm. towards the end of the band and it, um. And for me, it's probably just nice having that and work through that a bit more yeah. with this. And um, so, it's, yeah, I don't know. It just, it all just, yeah, 
it helps probably helped me more than anyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons we did it, you know, for the cathartic experience. Yeah. You know, because it did feel um, like was it because it was some, quite, quite some time where no one spoke about Silverchair, right? And I'm, I'm, when I say no one, I mean you guys, right? Yeah. And then it felt like was was the podcast was Dan's podcast kind of the first thing that. We was started to kind of talk about the band again. Yeah, it did loosen yeah. that up a little, and I probably open open the dialogue publicly yeah. a little more. Yeah. Was the book yeah. always kind of festering in your mind for for that time, like for a long time? No, for a long time. I spoke to uh, well, my wife Jackie did a um, a book uh, a few years ago, and um, we became quite close with one of the people that works at the publishing company. And I'd mentioned to her like oh, I'd I'd really like to tell put my story in a book someday and I started talking to her maybe in 2018 but that just kind of fizzled out and then I mentioned it to Chris maybe two or three years ago I said would you want to write a book and he wasn't really into the idea so I kind of let it go and then had you read a book at that stage? (laughs) (laughs) I might have ABCs read one one first (laughs) (laughs) but it really was the uh, when my kids were born that yeah. was that was the trigger point for me. Once that once those boys are born, it just if uh, a, a a switch just flicked on, and I was like, I want to tell the story because I want it for my boys. Yeah, and and that was it. And then I just started the process. And then um, yeah, once I asked Chris if he wanted to be involved in it, um, and he was like, yeah, he was he wasn't into it <laughs> again. <laughs> well, because like you said, they'd been for so long, um, it just. It just felt like you couldn't go there because mm. of where everything was essentially. Well, you wanted a lawyer or was waiting for someone to, to make the first move in a way as well, oh, do you think? I don't know. Oh. I just think how we'd operated for so long um, that if it wasn't a, if there wasn't a united front, then it was all just left yeah. and don't just leave it. Yeah. Um, but I just felt like I was, um, <clears throat> yeah, not... Um, I I should have been able to allow myself to talk about all the you know amazing stories together collectively that we mm. you know had experienced. Was it ever a, um, an option to get Dan involved, or was that quite a conscious effort to to do this just the two of you? Oh, look, I think um, you know we're, the the three of us are on our own paths. Yeah. Um, Dan's kind of you know he's doing his thing, and I think this was um, mine and Chris's kind of time to tell our, our part of the story yeah you know um yeah that's has he, has he read it like have you because I, I imagine no, like no. no well yeah not that not, not to my knowledge i should send it to him i shall send him my watermark copy <laughs> <laughs> i was saying to chris before you guys sent me like a a, a a secret copy so i could read it before the chat but i'm reading it on my laptop with all these watermarks all confidential over confidential confidential oh, <laughs> so i can't wait to read it off paper <laughs> <laughs> you can get you download your Audible. Um, oh yeah, you are you guys reading? Are you going to be? Re- are you? Yeah, oh, wonderful. Yeah, that was a that was in, that was a fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the book is out now. I believe um, when this is coming out, to um, I think you'd be able to go and see you guys in Newcastle on the thirtieth um, at the Civic. You're going to do a little uh, Q and A event there with chit chat. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Woo! <laughs> we got a bit smoother than that. <laughs> yeah, well, there... well, we when I think it sort of just came loosely out of the idea. Well, we've got to, you know, um, 
get out and about and um, mm. spruik the book and the idea of sort of like a bit of a interactive Q&A mm. type thing um, come about and then it was like oh, I'll be you know I think you suggested chit chat it'd be just nice to have instead of us two just sitting up there sort of someone to curate help us yeah, curate a little bit I'm and professional you know <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right, that's that's right. right. <laughs> must be uh, in my junk <laughs> the yeah, request yeah, yeah, it's there it's in there somewhere <laughs> yeah and <laughs> sort of yeah looking forward to that bit cause, yeah. um will you do that around the country do you think yeah we're doing oh. Brisbane oh, amazing Newcastle Sydney Melbourne oh fantastic Hobart um yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit different now. Uh, like, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, we're, getting, we're getting around. We're getting around. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's so cool. I mean, I know you're making music, Ben, still. I remember standing side of stage. I must have been at a, I think it was at a Jebediah gig or something. We were at a, um, what were they called? What were those kind of winery shows called? Day in the Green. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And I just asked you, I said, do you miss this? Like, and you're like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. And I guess there's something that only the three of us will know, um, what it is when it, we're sort of playing music together. Yeah. And because I've played music with other people and, um, but yeah, Do you nothing, a little jam? nothing's compared. We've had a couple of little jams over the years. Oh, yeah. 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 And there's still, you know, the magic's still there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the magic's all now um, in a beautiful little book called Love and Pain. And I love the photo too. The, the, the three of you just sitting on the stoop there, so young. Definitely marks a certain time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that fashion's back now too, by the way. So you're rocking the 90s fashion there. Um, guys, I'm really proud of you. Like, I, as I said, I've known you both um, separately and, and over the years. And like you were saying, even with the band, like, you just don't know these stories. And it's. Mm pretty cool to to know you and and be to, to read those stories too mm. so um people who like loved your band so much will just get such a kick out of this so congratulations yeah, cool. you should be really proud yeah, thank you thanks man and it's all it is an introducing podcast we do like to ask at the end if you'd like to introduce us to someone that you're listening to like is there an artist that you're loving at the moment could be brand new could be you could have been listening to acdc on the way here like what are you loving at the moment I don't know my answer. Do you want me to go? Go. <laughs> King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, yeah. I um, I don't know. I knew, like, I knew of them, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you just need to hear a song. Yeah. I heard this song and it's just like, I've, got, I've, I've been thinking to myself, like, what have, I, what have I been doing? These guys are fucking awesome. Mm. I can't keep up with how many albums they have out. Like, they I do have I a lot a of albums. And I was like, I've got most of their albums and there's like 10 more. <laughs> they are so good. I just love their whole, like, yeah. they just, they, it's like they just don't give a shit and they just do what they love and they just, I don't know, there's something a bit like, they just do whatever they feel and that, that's, I think, of like, and they're great musos. Yeah. They write really cool songs and it's just, yeah, I've, I'm really digging them at the moment. They're great. And the fact that they're Aussies, great. Yeah. Also great. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go retrospective. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to say uh, the Cruel Sea. Oh yeah, uh, they're out doing some shows, oh, yeah. and uh, I, I jag some for Father's Day. So did you? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, um, uh, love those guys for, or love that band for, for years. Yeah. It was an instrumental band, wasn't it? Before Tex jumped Early, on board. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's just a, a feel thing that that band has, yeah. which is just epic. Yeah. Well, boys, I'm um, lovely to see you. And again, you must be really proud. Congratulations. Love and Pain. It's out now. Thank you. Out now. Out now. <laughs> <laughs>